Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Most Baptists can find Genesis. They can find Genesis, Matthew, and Revelation. Anything else, sometimes we get confused, right? Genesis chapter 2, we're not going to read the text to begin with. We're going to get to it in just a few moments. So just go ahead and turn there and be ready when we get to that point. Continuing the series of the enemy among us, and he is among us, and he wants to ruin our testimony, our witness for the Lord. He wants to attack the Lord's churches, and he wants to cause problems for God's people. And one of the chief places he wants to work is in our homes and among our families. And so this morning, we're looking at Satan's attack on the Christian family. And I think Christian families are being attacked today. They're being attacked from the outside, but I think in some ways they're being attacked from the inside as well. God has created only two institutions, ordained only two institutions upon this earth, the home and the church. The home, the family, is the oldest of the two. Now we hear the term, and I thought I didn't know if I wanted to use this term today or not, but I looked it up and I said, that's a pretty good definition. We hear the term nuclear family, the nuclear family. Well, what are they talking about when they're talking about the nuclear family? Well, the definition I found online is this, a couple and their dependent children regarded as a, get this, basic social unit. I'll say more about that in a moment. It says the word nuclear has had a long history of figurative use before its main association with nuclear energy as nucleus has senses, meaning kernel, or more simply, something essential. A family is essential. Amen. A home is essential. And so it says the term nuclear family refers to a household consisting of a father, a mother, and their children all in one household dwelling. Folks, that's what a family is. It's a mother and a father, a male and a female, and their children that God has blessed them with. We're heading toward the end of this series, The Enemy Among Us. I plan to end with a thought of how Satan's going to attack and does attack the Lord's churches, but we have this one and we have other one other message, and if the Lord wills, we'll have the last one after that. So the question comes to mind, how can Satan take advantage of God's people and after taking advantage of his people, thereby take advantage of the Lord's churches or how can Satan destroy the Lord's churches? See, Satan knows that if he can disrupt families, he can disrupt the Lord's work. If he can get into a family and cause damage in a family, he knows that he can, if he can destroy families, he can hinder churches. So he attacks marriages, and he attacks homes, and he attacks families. It's estimated that one out of two marriages, even among Christian people today, ends in divorce, and that's sad. 50%. Half of the people, half of the couples who profess Christ, who start out, maybe they have a wedding in a church, maybe they make some commitments to one another and to the Lord, and then down the road, half of those according to statistics, are going to end up divorcing one another. Now, churches are made up of people, right? I mean, a church is not some big conglomerate something that has no personal application. 
Churches are made up of people and more often than not, those people have family members who are also members of the particular church where they are members, right? So here's a beautiful scenario. I think this would be fantastic. I don't know that I've ever seen it happen, but I think it would be fantastic. A boy and girl grow up in the same church. They're of different families. They grow up in the same church. They're both saved at a young age. They both commit their lives to Christ and start following him. And when they get maybe into their 20s, maybe they're out of college, they decide that the two of them want to get married. And that ends up now putting two families in the church, two different families connected through this marriage. Can you see what Satan could do if he could damage that home of that young boy and that young girl that had just gotten married or if he could cause them to divorce? So in this church, this couple is married. Their families are there. Maybe they have brothers and sisters, maybe even cousins in the church. And so Satan could do great damage to the church because I know how people are, right? He could do great damage to the church if he could just damage that one home, that one couple, that one family. But he intends when he attacks families, he's ultimately able to cripple the church through that. That's why he seeks to bring so many under his influence. The first thing we're going to see this morning, we're getting ready to read our text. The first thing we're going to see this morning is that Satan causes doubt about the origin of the home, about the origin of the family. Folks, I don't care what society says, God only created two sexes. Amen. You listen to what the Bible says in Genesis 1:27. so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. I don't see what's so difficult to understand about that. Amen. God made a man and God made a woman. And I'm going to repeat this in just a moment, but the woman was not an afterthought. The woman was not an uh-oh, Adam needs somebody, okay? We'll see that in just a moment. Mark chapter 10 verse 6 Jesus is speaking. He said, from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. It's said in the Old Testament. It's repeated in the New Testament by the Lord Jesus himself. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Brother Truman talked about that word cleave in Sunday school this morning. I like it too. You know what it means to cleave to your wife, guys? It means to be glued to her. So Joni's been stuck with me for all these years, okay? And she has stuck with me and she has stuck by me, but she's glued to me and I'm glued to her. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be what? One flesh. See, without her, I'm half a person. Amen. Without me, she's half a person. They shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man Put asunder. The Bible does not say that God created a male and a female and an it and left a blank out there that you can fill in what you want that it to be. Amen. He made a male and a female. He made a man and a woman. Scripture does not say that God created the first being and then decided to let that being decide what it wanted to be or how it wanted to be known. I think when God made Adam, Adam knew he was a man. When God made Eve, Eve knew she was a woman, all right? 
And God didn't say, well, you can decide somewhere along the way if you want to change things, if you want to be something else. He created a man, he called him Adam. Then he was created, or the woman was created and she was called Eve. Now we've already mentioned that the home and the family is one of only two institutions that God has established upon this earth. So we're going to read about that here in Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. And it says there, And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. The very same thing that Jesus said in the New Testament there in the book of Mark. And so God has established the home, and it is for what purpose? Why did God establish the home? It is for the well-being of the man and of the woman. See, because we read on or we read in other places here, if you look back to verse 18, what does it say? It said, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Now, I don't believe that God created Adam and waited for a while and watched him sort of stumble around in the Garden of Eden not knowing what was going on. And so God said, well, he needs somebody to tell him what's going on. And so he created the woman. Now, I believe when God created man, he knew in his heart, the heart of God, that this man needed a helper. It wasn't good that God should create Adam and leave him in the garden by himself. And so it was in the heart and mind of God to create the woman almost immediately after creating the man. And so God said, I will make him and help meet for him. See, verse 20 tells us that God brought all of the animals before Adam, verse 19 says, to see what he would call them. God just paraded the animals by and let Adam name the animals. But Adam noticed something. For Mr. Whale, there was Mrs. Whale. For Mr. Hippo, there was Mrs. Hippo. For Mr. Skunk, there was Mrs. Skunk, right? And Adam said, there's nobody for me. Don't want the hippo. Don't want the skunk. God said, I'll make him a helper that is meat for him. If you go back to verse 24 of chapter 1, it said, God made the animals creatures after his own kind. So Adam looked, and there's no creature like him. Of all the animals, there was no other creature like Adam. Could God have been showing Adam, you're going to need who I'm going to make for you? And I think he was. So Adam saw all of these animals had mates and that he needed a mate. And so God says, I will make him a help. And I'm going to insert these two words that is meat for him. Okay? A help meat. A helper. All right? And so this word meat is an interesting word. It comes from the Hebrew word neged. And that word neged means a part opposite. You think God knew what he was doing? I know he did. Neged means a part opposite, specifically a counterpart or a mate. Now the word neged comes from the word nagad. And the word nagad I think is interesting also because it means to stand boldly out opposite. 
You say, what's the significance? Why are you making such a point of that preacher? Because a woman shouldn't be expected to be a man. And a man shouldn't be expected to be a woman. God made us different that he might make us one. I said, without my wife, I'm half a person. She completes me. And so God just made Adam and Eve and he made them different. But they are complete opposites. But God, have you ever heard the saying, opposites attract? Well, God made them opposites. And God brought them together and God said, I am going to glue you together so that you're one. Have you ever had something that you just glued together so it would just be one? Well, that's what God did with Adam and with Eve. So God established marriage. Here's his desire. He established marriage. He established the home or the family as the cornerstone or as the foundation of an ordered society. Have you noticed that as homes have broken up, our society has gotten a lot more disorder? Amen. I mean, when you have a home with usually a mom and children, let me tell you, when a, little, when a boy gets about 16 years old, and he's six feet tall and weighs over 200 pounds, unless he's been trained early on, getting him to listen to his mom is going to be a hard deal. Amen. I've dealt with some of that in my days years ago in law enforcement that mamas would call, I can't get my son to do this and this and this. And so you have to go and tell the son, listen, it's still legal in this state for a mama to spank her children and she has a right to do that. So again, God designed the home to be the foundation of society. And you know what the fruit of this union between a man and a woman is? Children. Children. Genesis 1.28, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish them. Who's he talking to? Adam and Eve. And he says, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God brought Adam and Eve together and he says, now, I'm going to give you children. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. And so God put together that first family and God desires that families come together and stay together. Listen, children are not a punishment from God. Amen. There's some folks that feel that way. Now, sometimes some of us parents feel that way, but we know differently, don't we? Children are not a punishment from God. They are a blessing from God. Our children may cause us grief. They may cause us anger. They may break our hearts. But you know what? We still love them. Amen. People who do not have children cannot understand a parent's love. I don't think they can. It's a natural love that child comes into the world and you just automatic. You don't wait for it to mind you and obey you and all of those things. What does a baby do? A baby cries, a baby whines, a baby creates all kinds of problems many times. A baby gets sick, but you love that baby. You've never seen him before in your life, but you love that baby. It is a natural love. Our mother used to say this, when children are young, they step on your feet. When they get older, they step on your heart. And they'll do it. They'll do it. But you know what? You still love 
your children. So God has given us children and thereby he's placed the responsibility for their teaching and training in his ways where? In the home. The church is not the first place that children are to be taught the things of God. It's in the home. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old he'll not depart from it. This word train means to initiate, to discipline. Okay? Discipline a child when he's young. I love Proverbs 13, 24 that says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son. Oh, I love my child too much to chase him. No, you don't. Not according to the word of God. If you don't correct that child, you don't love that child. That's what God says. And I'll take God's word over anybody's word anytime. That verse goes on to say, But he that loveth his son chasteneth him betimes or while there is time. Sometimes children get so big and so old that the opportunity for, and by the way, the rod that it talks about there in Proverbs, our mother knew the Bible because a rod was a switch. Ever had a switch used on you? I asked Aaron and Will one time, I said, which do you like the least? The belt, the paddle, or the switch? They said, oh, the switch. I said, that's what I'll use then. You know? He that spares the switch doesn't care for his child. But too many Christian children, so-called, have not been disciplined in the ways of the Lord today. And that's the problem we're facing in the Lord's churches today. Train up a child, discipline a child. In Ephesians 6, 4, when it talks about the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, it's talked about education, yes, but it also talks about training and by implication, disciplinary correction. It may be a mild rebuke or a warning, or it may be the rod, the switch. But children need to, you know the first place that children learn to respect authority? It's in the home. Listen, if a child will not respect his mother and dad, that child will not respect the teacher at school, and that child will not respect the policeman or the laws of the land, because that child has not learned to respect authority. Yes, I've said before, you'll do it because I'm dead and I tell you to do it. But I want my children to learn I'm the authority in the home. Mom and I are the authority in the home. Proverbs 29, 15 says this, listen to this, a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. You take a child and you raise that child without any discipline, without any instruction in the word of God and just let that child grow up and it brings shame the word of God says, upon the family. Deuteronomy 11, verses 18 and 19, Therefore shall you lay up these words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. You know what frontlets were? You know, keep them looking side to side. Keep your focus. Keep you straight on, all right? Frontlets between your eyes. Then ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. He didn't say take them to church and let the church teach them. Now the church ought to. We're going to talk about that in a moment. He said, listen, mom, dad, you got a child in your home. Raise that child by the word of God. Teach that child the word of God in the home. Society's not going to do it. The schools aren't going to do it. Television's not going to do it. Television teach your child everything opposite of the Word of God. If your child, and I know I'm speaking mostly to older parents, how about that? I'm not going to say grandparents, older parents. But we can pass this along to others, okay? 
The problem is that most homes leave the spiritual training of the children up to the church. And then those same parents will live worldly lives before their children. And then they'll say, well, the church isn't doing its job. No, folks. Let's not blame the Lord's churches for not teaching the Word of God. Listen, I know we have a program. We have good teachers in this church. Amen. We have, I don't want to name our teachers because I don't want to leave somebody out, but we have good teachers. I know them. I know them well. I've known them for years. I know how they teach. I know what they teach. And we have good teachers in this church, but they can't do the job here that parents are supposed to do at home. Amen. Then the church, okay, when young people start to drop out, because they're not being trained at home, and that's one of the main reasons they'll start to drop out, the church reacts in a knee-jerk reaction and says, oh my goodness, we've got to do something to entertain the youth so we can keep the ones that we have and maybe attract one or two more. I don't mind doing things with you. We're going to have a, a fellowship coming up. We're going to emphasize the young people. I'm all in favor of that. I think that's great. But the church is not a babysitting job for young people either. Amen. It's a training ground. It's to train children to serve the Lord. Note this, when it comes to entertaining children, when it comes to entertaining children, especially when they're not taught God's word and God's ways, folks, the world can do a lot better job than we can do in entertaining children. It's not our job to entertain. The husband and the wife are to meet the needs of each other. And then as parents, they are supposed to meet the needs, not the wants, but they're to meet the needs of the children. And that means training them up in the Word of God. Amen. You say, boy, Brother Jim, you should put a lot on the home. Well, that's what God put on the home. It's not what Brother Jim put on the home. It's what God's Word says should take place in the home. And Satan causes confusion about the home. He also causes doubt about the home's order. And I know what I'm about to say. Folks, sounds so old-fashioned, so out of place, so out of touch with the modern movement today, so out of sync with the ideas of today's society that some people would want to reject them. But listen, this is God's Word speaking, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3 gives us God's order for the home. And here's what God's order for the home is. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. One of the first problems we have is that most quote-unquote Christian homes are not in the right order. Amen. So many of them are run by the children. I'll say more about that in a moment. But when the spiritual leader in the home, and that's the man... When the spiritual leader in the home is out of order, the rest of the home is out of order. The spiritual leader in the home must be right with God or the home is going to be out of order. Now, God's word instructs the woman to be in submission to her husband. Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And some will say, I ain't submitting to no man. Well, you just transgressed God's word. You just transgressed God's will. And if that's the attitude, the home's out of order already. Just with that one statement, all right? 
Now, we know that the word submit and, and the word subjection, it, it's not talking about the man having a, you know, an iron fist in the home. It's talking about recognizing, 1 Corinthians eleven three, recognizing God's order for the home. And God's order for the home is that the man should lead in the home. And in fact, the book of Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, tell the older women in the church what they're supposed to teach the younger women in the church. And it says that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands. Now, isn't that strange that a woman would have to be taught to love her husband? To love their husbands, to love their children. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Again, that's just maintaining the order, arranging in order. To be obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. That phrase, keepers of the home. Do you know what God has said, ladies? You're the guard of the house. Amen. You are the guard of the house. That's what older women, there in the church that where Titus was, where Paul's writing, we're told they were supposed to be in the home. We just studied 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. If you have a mate that isn't saved, that doesn't follow the Lord, here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to live godly in a chaste life, a pure life before him, okay? And be an obedient wife, be a loving wife. But listen to this. God instructs also, instructs husbands to love their wives. So I love my wife. Oh, look at the degree to which husbands are supposed to. Do you really love your wife? Listen to what the Word of God says. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Guys, we're supposed to love our wives that much. How much did Jesus love his churches? That much? And he stretched out his arms and he died for us, folks. Because of his great love. And the word of God says, men, you love your wife the way Jesus loved the church. I've seen young men get married. In fact, I've probably performed a wedding or two in which a young man and a young woman got married. But you know what? When that young man got married, he wanted to give up the single life. He was ready to move out of mama's house, but he still wanted a mama. You know what I mean? He wanted a surrogate. He wanted somebody that would take care of him, wash his clothes, fix his meals, clean his house, have everything ready for him when he came in. And if he wanted to go back out, ask no questions and let him go. That's what he wanted. Well, that's not love for your wife. Now listen, we, you say, you're really getting on the men. Yes, I am, because we have the greatest responsibility. We may not have to give up our physical lives. Would I die for my wife? Yes, I would. Several years ago, I'm going to take the time to tell this. Several years ago, we were down in Houston in the Marriott on the 18th floor. And about 11 o'clock at night, an alarm goes off that says, active shooter, shelter in place. I said, we'll just sit right here in the room. And then they changed it. Fire, evacuate, fire. Evacuate. You can't use the elevators. My wife's back was hurt. People from the 29th floor passed us going down. She could barely move. But every time we'd come to a landing, I'd step out first in case there was an active shooter still. I mean, he can get me. You ain't getting her, right? We may not have to do that. We may not have to give up our physical lives for our wives, 
But we ought to be willing to give up living solely for ourselves. I want my way in the home. I'm going to do my thing. No, you are, you two are one, glued together, brought together by God. Remember, the Word of God said this is a partner relationship. Husband and wife is a partner relationship. And partners work together, don't they? Ephesians 5.28 So all men to love their wives not only as Christ loved the church but as their own bodies. Now Brother Truman asked a question in Sunday school this morning and he had not seen my notes but he used something similar to that and he said uh, we all love ourselves don't we? And he noticed I was laughing. I said it depends on the day. You know <laughs> some days I don't like myself a whole lot someday but he said we love ourselves right? We ought to love our wives as much as we love ourselves, men. In fact, I'm thinking sort of maybe a little bit more. Love for our wives is to be like the love that Christ has for his churches. And then fathers. We're talking about the home. God's plan for the home. Fathers. What about fathers? Fathers are the primary teachers or to be the primary teachers in the home. It's our responsibility. Ye fathers, Ephesians 6, 4, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He didn't say, hey, Dad, you can do it if you want to, but if you don't want to, push it off on Mom. God's Word says you fathers are to teach. You're to bring your children up in the nurture, and we've mentioned what those words mean, an admonition of the Lord. And then children. This is God's order for the home. Children in the home have the absolute easiest job in the home. Children, obey your parents. <laughs> in the Lord, for this is right. Just obey. Just do what mom and dad say. And then you'll be pleasing to the Lord in what you're doing. But Satan sows disorder. And Satan seeks to reverse God's order in the home. In society today, wives are encouraged not to keep God's order for the home. They're to question the husband's position. They're to say, I ain't submitting to no man. They're to say, I'm going to do what I want to do. Husbands are often influenced not to give their wives the kind of love that they ought to give their wives, but to place other things and sometimes other people, the guys, ahead of their wives. Now, I can't see anywhere in the Bible where we're supposed to just go off and, and do our thing and leave our wives or leave our husbands at home. Now, when, when somebody can show me that, I'll say, good, I'm going somewhere. <laughs> Johnny, you just say you're in work. But I don't see it in the Word of God. And so husbands are not to just say, you know, I'm going to place my friends ahead of you. Now, if it's fine with the wife and if it's fine with the husband and that works out, that's great. I mean, you're not, in that sense, you're not placing your friends ahead of your wife if, if she's fine with it. But we should never place other people ahead of our wives or ahead of our husbands. And Satan does not want fathers teaching and correcting children. And he especially does not want the dads. He does not want the men teaching children. Amen. See, I've pastored in some places where the attitude is, you know, real men don't really get into the Bible. Real men don't really study the Bible. Real men don't really get active in church. Real men don't talk about God. and Real men don't submit to Jesus. And, 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 and real men just have sort of a take it or leave it attitude toward the things. That's not a real man. Amen. And I tell you what I think it is. Well, it's a chicken. That's what it is, okay? 
But he doesn't want the dad's teaching. Instead, you know, and we've bought this lie that comes straight out of the pits of hell through Hollywood that men are to be the macho man, you know, the Rambo. I don't care, but I just shoot you as well as look at you and, you know, I'm going to have as many wives and girlfriends as I want to have and that sort of thing. And men have bought into that and they're failing God. They have no regard for God's word. Do you realize that children often get their ideas about God from their daddies? Children get their ideas about God from their dads. Guys, that puts a whole lot of responsibility on us, doesn't it? And then Satan causes defiance about the operation of the home. Now God's plainly revealed his plan for the family and for the home. And you know who's to be in first place in the home? Don't say the man. God is. God ought to have preeminence. God ought to have first place. In fact, Psalm 127 verse 1 says this, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. See, we try to, we try to have homes today that are not built on God. We try to have homes today where God is not at the center of that home. And we have difficulties, we have problems. Well, what's wrong with my home? People come to the preacher and say, Preacher, we've got this problem, we've got that problem. What's going on? What can I do? Well, my first advice is put God at the center of your home. Turn your home over to God. Give it to God and He can take care of it a lot better than you and I can. If you want your home, if you want your family to stand, especially today, it better be built on Jesus Christ. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is finishing the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, if a man, if a person will hear these sayings of mine and do them, see, that's what's so important. James said, be doers of the word, not hearers only, right? Jesus said, if you'll hear these sayings of mine and do them, you'll be likened to a man that built his house on a rock, had a good foundation. And the storms came and the winds blew and, and all of the, the rain fell and the floods came. And that house stood because it was built on a rock. He that heareth these sayings of mine, he says, and doeth them not, like unto a man that built his house on the sand. And the same storm, see these, these houses are equal. The storm is equal. The only thing that's different between these two houses is where they're built. And he that built his house on the sand, the storm came, the winds blew, the rain fell, the floods came. And he said, that house will fall. And great's the fall of it. We have many people today, and some of them, quote, unquote, Christian people, who are building their homes on sand. The sand of the world opinion. The sand of what I want. The sand of what I like. And I'm telling you, the storm's coming. And when the storm hits, the house is going to fall. The home is to be the source of teaching about God and His Word. And what should we teach? Go back to Deuteronomy. This is what God has said from the beginning. That's why he told Israel, Deuteronomy 6, verse 6, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. That's what we're to teach. God's word. That's what we're to teach in the church. That's what we're to teach in the home.
And thou shalt teach them diligently, notice that, diligently unto thy children. Not just sort of pass the time or haphazardly. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. Turn off the television. Open the word of God. Okay, that's what he's saying. Well, they didn't have television. I know that. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. He said, everywhere you go, everything you do. You know what's be in front of you? The Word of God. Now even, you know, and, and I think this was an abuse or misunderstanding this, but you know, in the days of Jesus, the Pharisees had phylacteries little boxes that they wore strapped to their forehead which had verses of scripture in them. So they're, you know, they're showing people I'm keeping the word of God. Before You can do that all day long and not keep the word of God before you. Amen. What does the psalmist say? What does God say through the psalmist? Thy word have I hid in mine heart. Get it down in our hearts. Teach God's plan for the home. Teach what God expects of each family member in the home. If we will teach God's word and what God expects, the Holy Spirit will convict hearts, folks. And then New Testament churches. See, I told you we'll bring the church into this. New Testament churches are to strengthen and sustain this Bible teaching because it says that we are to teach all things whatsoever the Lord has commanded us. We teach them to do all things whatsoever the Lord has commanded us. Satan will always move people to disobey God just like he did with Eve. He'll cause wives not to be submissive. He'll cause husbands not to be loving. He'll cause fathers to fail in teaching. He'll cause children to rebel and disobey. That's the work of Satan. That's the way he operates. And he will cause each family member to live a self-centered, self-willed life and cause disruption in the home. Here's what God told Paul. And this is the days in which we live. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. You're familiar with these verses. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And he said, from such turn away. That's the day we live in. And we need homes that are built on the rock of Jesus Christ. That's it's the only hope for Christian homes and Christian families today is to be built on Jesus Christ. We might say, well, we're older. We've raised our children. It's just us in our home. What does a message like that have to do with me? Everything. Our children observe our home. Our children have children. Our children's children may be starting their families. Some of us are grandparents. Some of us are great-grandparents. I don't know if we have any great-greats here, but we may have that. And our children need sound instruction about how to raise their families. Listen, Oprah and Dr. Phil are not going to get it. Amen. Each family member needs instruction from the Word of God. Families today face divorce. They face discouragement. They face disruptions, all sorts of dangers. And unless they're built upon the rock of Jesus and not the shifting sand of this world, they'll fall. God's desire for your home is the same as it is for my home and for every home. He wants every member that's reached the age of accountability to be saved. Have you 
I know I'm talking to church members who are supposed to be saved. I don't know whether you are or not, only you and God know. But have you, do you know in your heart for certainty that there was a time in my life I turned to God in repentance and by faith applied the shed blood of Jesus? Do you know that for a certainty? God wants every member of the home to be saved. And he wants every saved member to be scripturally baptized and serving him in one of his churches. Just any church won't do. Not all churches teach this. Not all churches teach the word of God in its purity. So he wants you in one of his churches. Each family member, God wants to strive to be right with him and faithfully serving him on a daily basis. Daily basis. Not Sunday only, but daily basis. He wants each of us a witness of Christ in our going and our daily activities so that others will be saved. And he wants each of us to seek to fulfill the position that he has for us in our homes. If we will do those things, folks, here's what the eventual outcome will be. This church will be strong. This church will be made up of strong families that say we want to bring others in here so that they may learn and so they may do the things that we know and the things that we do. It will cause us to have a concern about lost people. It will cause us to have a concern about saved people, even members of this church who are not faithfully serving God right now. But see, it all begins in the home. It all begins in the family. And if our families are not what they should be. Listen, I could not do the things that I've done for the last 40 plus years without a faithful wife by my side. Amen. Jesus is my rock and there's some of my strength right there. But folks, we've got to have homes that are built on Jesus Amen. or we're doomed.